Hi, I'm James Brooks, and welcome to From the Factory Floor, a conversational podcast about all things startup and tech, brought to you by the folks at thestartupfactory.tech. So welcome to episode 11 of From the Factory Floor. This week, Ian's not managed to dodge it, so he's actually back with us. Yeah, thank you. I, I thought I'd done something wrong after my uh, run in the, in the first few episodes, and uh, I've obviously been checking the audience figures, and uh, I'm uh, obviously back by popular demand, so... <laughs> well, I think we've had ga- guys only done one or two more than you, and uh, I think Election Eric has stormed into the lead, I mean, only just behind me in terms of the number they've been on. So last week we spoke all about tech teams with Guy and Alexa and building a tech team. Before that, we've covered off with Eric and Alexa all about the engineering process. So today we're actually just going to cover off the agile process, which is far more my gig and yours than uh, tech, I think. Yeah, I've always enjoyed this this kind of subject and, and really made it core of the kind of conversations that I have, I've had with startup founders, because I think it's really quite an intelligent way of approaching both innovation and the unknown, you know, rather than assuming stuff is going to go in a linear basis and you know exactly what the step in front of you is. I think Agile, while it's a, a challenge for most entrepreneurs, I think, to accept they need a process, but I think, you know, changing and helping their mindset in terms of the pace to get stuff done but yeah for me agile is all about an agile process done well kind of really centers your thinking and really make sure you get the customer experience at the center of what you're doing yeah i mean it's i mean i say i mean i've not just made it central to what we do but central of my career effectively so i mean it really is about and there's i've seen agile done well i've seen agile done badly i've seen it with capital a's little a's which is probably something we'll cover off in this and just how um, people approach Agile and sometimes you know try and change it to be what they want it to be rather than necessarily what it is. That's not a bad thing, though, if I can interrupt you, because I think the, you can be too purist about this. And while I think the, the, you know, the four Agile values, I think, are really important, and I do, you know, I'm an advocate of those and elements of the 12 Agile principles, I do think that the point about software development in startup is all about taking the bits that work for you rather than trying to kind of rigorously impose a methodology. But no, I welcome your views because I know you're more into this on a day-to-day basis than I am. But yeah, I think taking the principles that work for you is what I'm about. I think, I mean, I think the interesting thing is actually, and I'll completely disagree with I think you have to embrace the Agile manifesto in, and its principles and values. But then I think when you actually, with the implementation of it and how the methodologies work, so when we come into talking about Scrum and Kanban and Crystal mm. and all the different processes, I think they can then be implemented too hard, far too firmly and too rigorously and without the flexibility. I mean, one of the core tenants is individuals' interactions over processes. And that's, that is the leading tenant. It's the very first principle of Agile. So yeah. you're, you're both completely right in that I think you have to be flexible in your process. I mean, at TSF, we don't run a pure Kanban in the, in the purest sense of it or Scrum. We found a happy medium that works both for us and for our clients. But I think what we always have to do is embrace the four key principles, you know, the individuals, working software, collaboration, responding to change. 
I think that has to be at the heart of everything that any startup really does because, to be honest, it works best for startups because uh, you, you know processes and tools aren't defined enough, whereas the individuals you get in, like we said last week, with building a team and the interactions you have with them are far more important. Again, working software is always more important than documentation. Collaboration is always better than negotiation and contracts. And then... It's, it's a startup, so you have to be able to respond to change rather than have a very rigid roadmap. We covered roadmaps with Alexa um, mm-hmm. way back when, now. I think it was like episode four or five, and you have to be flexible enough that that plan will change, but having that vision. It's like knowing you want to go drive. Are you going to let me join in here, or is this kind of... I'm a having beaten, a rant. I've wanted to have this rant for years. A beaten, a Joe Biden, Donald Trump kind of uh, ongoing uh, discussion. Um, get off your soapbox. Uh, no, no, I, I appreciate. You're what, get on. <laughs> I appreciate what you're saying, and, and I do think those four agile values are important. I've, I've always liked the, you know, the individuals and interactions over processes and tools as a principle. You know, I think the intimacy of how we work with founders and that energy and you know collaboration you need in a startup team. And, and I think what you can distill that down to really is kind of the nimble. An interactive and iterative nature of agile, uh, how it prioritizes tasks. I mean, the old way of doing things in project management and you know project delivery of there's a linear sequence of stuff to be done. So yeah, I'm totally on board with it. I, I, I think it is just made made for startups, and it's as much about the mentality as well as the practice. You know, some of the, the I mean, the, you know, the definition of done was always one of those things that I loved. <laughs> just has an elegance of simplicity but a real real meaning that everyone can understand yeah i mean there's it go this all goes down to the what is it? there's agile with the capital a which is all the and then agile with the little a the capital a being the manifesto and the principles and the values whereas the little a is that is is that flexibility of thinking and i think when you look at a process i mean we've got the startup sprint which we which was which came from a design sprint and we were flexible enough and introspective enough to actually well introspective slash retrospective to actually look back at what we were doing with the design sprint and realizing that we could do better and that goes back to what you were saying about that almost iterative it's everything it revolves around iterations making something getting something that works and then improving it cycle, yeah. cycle on cycle and just t- tell me a little bit here in terms of your role then because when we have you know, a founder comes into us as a cup of tea with us and we talk them through what we do and how we work. I think a couple of things are really worth just unpacking on this podcast. That's kind of the user stories and story points. So just kind of reflect and tell me a little bit more about how you go about unpacking those with founders who, who, who may not be aware of or, you know, familiar with Agile. So when... Someone initially comes into the startup fact, so let's say we have our coffee, we discuss the project, depending what stage they're at, suggesting either the startup sprint where you can go and uh, listen to our previous podcasts on that, and actually going through a process which really helps unpack their thinking. And then once that's been done, in which, whether it's a design sprint, a startup sprint, back in the day they were called inceptions, where there is a, an agreed scope and understanding then unpacking that into something at all like Jira, which is what we use. Uh, Trello is really popular. Uh, back in the day, you use Yodis. Monday is another one. There's so many tools. 
and almost capturing at a really high level the tickets or things to be done almost just that that list prioritizing that now you mentioned about story points and estimation now in previous lives so we put quite a lot of effort into estimation and what we found is that estimation is actually rather useless so it's almost going back to that last principle which is responding to change or over a plan a lot of times estimations actually backfired in terms of either setting <laughs> expectation when something was then discovered later on to the end of the day you've got to work with the information you've got you can't know everything those unknown unknowns or developers were suddenly working to a time scale that wasn't realistic expectations weren't set right so what we've moved to is almost just having that prioritized list and it's something that eric is a very big proponent of is just here's a list everything needs to be done yeah we have this overall scale if we know roughly how long the project might take what each individual item can flex and move depending on what needs to be done because we've had it and i know sort of you look at some of the projects we've worked on one week they'll have a meeting the next week actually we need a brand new uh, you know tom is a really good example of this yeah um we just had an opportunity to come in for you know a great new system a new sensor how we then have to then flex the plan to make sure that that sense is included. But obviously having that overall, it's going back to that overall vision, but being flexible enough to change and sometimes estimation really goes against that. Yeah, but what you said though is potentially quite a concern. I mean, I think the, you know, the iteration and kind of the using user stories, guiding principles, having a velocity of two weeks and kind of working in that cadence but if you're not careful, agile can be too flexible. As you just said, you know, Tom comes back, he's had a meeting with a new prospect. Can we do this? You end up constantly reprioritizing stuff because stuff, new stuff gets dropped in and stuff gets pushed back down to the bottom. So, how, how do you kind of how, how do you manage that though? I, I kind of get the fact that estimates kind of are too rigid. But what you just suggested is that agile can be too flexible. It can, and that, this is where there's you know you have to have someone like a scrum master or a project manager to really oversee that and help the uh, product owner understand that. Because, like you said, at the end of the day, everything's a prioritised list, and things can be brought in. You know that has to. That's one of the core principles that things can change. Mm-hmm. But if something's brought in, there's still only eight hours a day, five days a week, however many months the project's going on for. So something has to do that. Something then has to drop out of that list. Yeah. If some or things have to drop out of an equivalent size, and that's just done on a case by case basis. And that's sensible. I, I, I kind of do like that, and that's one thing I, I think I've always enjoyed when we've been doing the you know the the showcase sessions and reordering the board. I do like that flexibility. It puts energy, keeps everyone's mindset on what what matters most. The other thing I've always liked about Agile, and uh, just going off that tangent a minute, is the um, the concept of the cone of uncertainty, whereby, you know, what's the phrase? We know more today than yesterday. We'll know more, even more tomorrow. <laughs> Every time I see a dog with one of those cones of shame on that <laughs> come out of the vets, I always think about cone of uncertainty for some I, reason. I watched up. No, <laughs> But again, there are certain phrases and concepts in Agile that I think are really helpful to ground your thinking, but also give you that energy uh, and kind of elevate you. But fundamentally, it's about the people, it's about the interaction, it's about how the team reflect on what they've done, how to become more effective, retune, adjust, 
I think simplicity, you know, focusing maximum on what can be done, you know, not not what is essential now, but kind of in that overall journey. So, yeah, and also I think it really does promote and secure the kind of relationship and engagement between the tech team and non-tech people because the, the concepts are common sense and clear. I mean, that's one of the things that um, is, I think it's, from my experience at least, it's a common misconception about tools like Jira that's for the developers. And it's really not. It's actually for the project managers and it's for the product owners. So when the product owner re- sees a ticket in the Jira board and they don't understand it, then there's something fundamentally wrong and that should change. Because yeah. at, at the end of the day, developers just need a... If, I wrote, if we wrote down a list on a whiteboard and they crossed it off as they went... Develop, that's what developers would do. They know what they know what they're doing, and they've got the expertise to do that. So it is really about having the tools to help enable a founder or a client to be able to look at and understand what's going on to a level where they can make a decision, at least a relatively informed decision. Yeah, what priorities need to go in. And going back to our previous point, it really is, like I say, it's the collaboration aspect, not quite. The, and I mean, I always remember the. Um, very first talk that I ever did, the talk after me there was about entirely on the cone of uncertainty, and there was a huge uproar <laughs> saying it was a load of cod's wallop, to use a more uh, politically correct phrase, and uh, just saying it's a bunch of crap. But um, cause I've always thought it makes a lot of sense, and it enables you to respond to change and understand where things are going. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more though about this, the two of the things which I always enjoy, because obviously I'm not involved in the day-to-day tech development, but the kind of the, I always like the word ceremonies that Scrum has, but the, the two two events which I always like. Tell us a bit more about showcases and retrospectives because I think again people coming to Agile for the first time, listening to this podcast, uh, give them some illustrations around those two things. So Scrum and Kanban both have the idea of ceremonies or meetings. If you feel slightly too, it feels a bit too grandiose to use the word ceremony. <laughs> Every most well, sorry. Every sprint, which is a predetermined set of time in Scrum between one and four weeks, it starts off with a planning session where you plan what's going to be done in the next two weeks. You have your series of stand-ups. So every morning, it's a fifteen-minute. What was done yesterday? What's been done today? Is there anything? Is there anything blocking me? You then go into the two ceremonies that you mentioned there, Ian, which is the showcase, yeah. which is a demonstration of. Here's what we planned for the last two weeks ago or three weeks ago or a week ago. Here's what we've actually delivered. So it's almost a, here's what we said, here's what we did. Does it match up? And it gives product owners or any other stakeholders involved the opportunity to see what's going on, to be able to, and it should always be working software as well, going back to what we yeah. said earlier about the principles. So it should always be in a dev environment rather than done locally. And it's a good good opportunity for people to look at the flows, look at screens, potentially point things out that they want. They think, actually, this doesn't work now that I can physically see it. And then that ticket then gets created, added to the backlog, and it just gets prioritised everything else, which goes back to, is this more is this one thing more important than the next, something else? And start to add these bits of feedback in. And then the retrospective is... Just on, on the showcase, before you move on, I think the... One aspect of showcases, which I think maybe we've created this ourselves, but I think it's an important part. It's kind of, it is a show and tell. 
but it's a and it's an informal but it's also a social kind of event which i think agile has lent itself to the way we how how the way we've adopted it in that the founders and and sometimes the investors have come into these sessions but it enables real close communication and exchange of views in a in a structured way but it's quite informal uh, i know sometimes we know we have beer and pizza at the end of this and it kind of also on a two-weekly basis, it gives the tech team chance to reflect on success and what they've delivered and get some pride and get some feedback. So I think that's an important part of, of kind of working in a startup, that you, you don't lose sight of the endeavour and the focus on getting stuff done, but it, the, the social context and team engagement, I think, that Agile creates, it, you know, it genuinely does le- le- lean into that, that collaboration mindset. But sorry, go on. Tell us, tell us a bit more about um, retrospectives then. Yeah, I mean, going just going nipping back to your point, you know, it should be a celebration of what's been done. You know, oftentimes things come into sprints, which because they can change, but something drops out, and you know, it should be a celebration of what's been delivered. And you know, like you said, whether it's pizza and beers, if you do it on a Friday or something, you know, some way of the team say celebrating what's been delivered as a whole, not just a tech team, but the product team seeing what's there, celebrating success. And then the retrospective, which um, I've run, we've had run just afterwards or a couple of, on a slightly different cadence, is all about looking at the process. So it really is looking and going, what's working, what isn't working? Is there a blocker that keeps coming up that we need to have something, some sort of mitigation in place? about looking at the person general saying, actually, do you know what? And it's something that we run internally at TSF. We don't just, you know, preach this and then never do it. We do have our internal retrospectives. And in one of them, we said, you know what? Working in Scrum doesn't work. So we now no longer work in a sort of a Scrum methodology. It's far more Kanban, but we still do showcases. We still do retrospectives on our projects. So it's about looking and making sure that the process works for the team. So it's all, again, it's individuals rather than the process. Now, I know process can be a dirty word to some people, but you have to have something, but it should yeah. work for the team within, that's actually going to be using it. Yeah, and I think this is, is again, a key point, that, you know, back to what I said about you can't force fit something that isn't working. I think the concept of sprints is, is really useful. But then, like I say, Kanban really just reinterprets that in a slightly different way, but... We're still into this kind of lean startup thinking, aren't we? Of you know, build, test, measure, learn, and iterate. And again, I think providing you've got clear communication and transparency on the the activity and the productivity, then whatever label you put on it, it it's just a way of working, really. Well, yeah, I mean, any process is just a way of working. It's well, it's what works for the team. Whether that structured two weeks of here's what we're going to deliver in two weeks' time. Here's what we're going to showcase versus a far more flexible Kanban approach, which allows teams to basically just work through a prioritised backlog and almost not run a sprint, but have that sort of sprint process per ticket. Looking at, you know, examples of um, maybe a particular flow break in a Kanban, in a Kanban flow, you'd break that, break that down into things, you'd deliver it. And then once that's delivered, in the way that needs to be is then when you showcase that just take it on its own it's more flexible and we found it worked better for startups just with how regularly things changed rather than having a predefined two weeks and then the scope changed flexibly within it anyway because it was almost there was no point in doing that two-week planning session 
Yeah, I've noticed that with Eric, and Eric has converted me, I must admit, in terms of you know his advocacy of Kanban, in terms of giving him great, you know, him and the, the dev team great flexibility in terms of what they can pick up and what we can do over the next two weeks, rather than trying to artificially work to some estimates, which you know are, are, are guesstimates really. So no, I kind of get it. You know, it still leads back to the kind of product backlog, looking at that whole daily work. What can we get done? The stand-ups, incremental forward movement, and the showcases. Now, I really like the showcases because I do think it's important that the tech guys get recognition for what they've done, and, and people underestimate underestimate really what endeavour and, and effort goes in. So I guess at the end of the process, it's all about then the handover. So just tell us a bit about any good or bad stories on handovers. I've, I've got many of both. I've seen uh, handovers that suffered almost from a more commercial aspect of people almost trying their hand, almost saying, well, if we finish this, then I'll do that final invoice. Because at the end of the day, once you do that last showcase, you know, you've all almost saying, is there any reason now not to, you know, not to do say the not to sign that final invoice off, mm. um, but we've seen it where you know we've had some really good collaborations, gone through the process, delivered something, the documentation that's been needed. It's obviously one of the things we've said is working software is more important than documentation. For the developers who are listening, that doesn't mean the documentation is not important. I was going to say, yeah, but <laughs> it's more important. But we've delivered that. The software has been delivered. The documentation has been required, and then move into that. Or what's the next phase? Because, like we've said, everything is iterative. It's all about build, measure, learn that, and then iterate upon that. So here's your working version. You know whether it's a POC and MVP and all the different terms people like to use, which oftentimes they mean the same thing, even though I think there are slight nuances. And it's like, well, what's next? You know, go test it helping that potentially and then coming back and then looking at the feedback, looking at what needs to change, going through that iteration. So it's almost that that definition of done technically is quite funny, is that, you know, a product is never done. There's always something that can be improved, something that can be worked on, feedback that can be actioned. So, and but we have also seen some handovers that have gone really well, like that, where it's been like that and like some have gone not so well. And it's just, again, you learn from the process, learn what goes well, make sure that what needs to be done is delivered and that everyone's on the same page about what's being delivered. Because like we said, if we're responding to change over the rigid plan, the statement of work right at the beginning of the project might not match what's delivered. But as long as people understand why it's changed and why... Yeah, we have items A, B, and C on this document, but we've delivered A, B, and C, A, B, and D, or A, B, and F. The reason that F's there and C isn't is because at this point this happened, and that's about the collaboration. Yeah, no, I like that. I think I think um, well, it'd be good to uh, read your blog on this because I think there's there's a lot of um, stuff we have we put in this podcast. But for me, the, the, the kind of the two key takeaways is around the mentality of having a process that's fit for purpose and the agile scrum kanban sprint terminology and the phrases and the vocabulary we've used here i think are useful concepts for people to build a picture of what the journey of building a tech product is in a startup um and also i think what 
it really gives is is that you know back to one of those first principles around individuals interaction it brings transparency to the whole process during that cycle where previously building software was a bit of a dark art and it was a big hurrah at the end of it is this showcase and this iteration and retrospectives is just a much more intelligent way of doing it and and you know sharing progress and changing the way forward as you as you go along it so Good. Well, I hope, um, yeah, I hope you've um, enjoyed your time on your, your soapbox there, James. Well, as soon as I usually get kicked off it quite quickly, I do it when I do get my uh, opportunity to have a rant and not quite evangelise because I don't quite go that far because, again, everything can be improved, but it's, it's quite nice standing on it occasionally. <laughs> Good. I mean, for sort of a last takeaway, sort of my last piece of advice for anyone who's looking at implementing agile across their startup or hasn't got any experience of it is almost look at you know loads of resources there's loads of exams there's scrum master qualifications which are quite easy to get but really good courses almost start with that more rigid process and then as you get more experienced and do your retrospectives when you start to flex and really develop your own process which really then leads into your culture which is my nice little segue into what we're covering next week and having that process that you know can start to be your really your own process which becomes part of your t- your company culture part of your team culture and that mm-hmm. openness visibility is a really good thing so yeah thanks for letting me on my soapbox but <laughs> off now, isn't it? no worries thanks for that james cheers ian speak to you soon bye i think that just about wrap things up here if you have any thoughts or questions on anything we've said today Get in touch, whether that be through our Twitter, at RealTSF, or email at hello at startupfactory.tech, or feel free to drop in for a coffee and a chat. As ever, thanks for listening.